If you would please turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 11 through 22 as we continue our study of the book of Ephesians, looking at uh, the riches we have in Christ, our inheritance in Christ. Keep your Bibles open to this passage. It is my text. We'll spend most of the time here. Um, and as I read it, I'll remind you that this is the Word of God. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were Formerly, uh, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall and abolished in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that, in he, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross, by having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we have we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Now, Lord, as we see ourselves in this Ephesians church, which was a church comprised mostly of, of non-Jewish people, Gentiles, we don't often call ourselves Gentiles, but we are, and, and, and we identify with this church at Ephesus. We, we thank you that as a local congregation, we are a part of something much bigger. As a local congregation, we are something, a, a, a part of something ancient. That Community Bible Church actually goes back to the apostles, actually goes back to Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone so Lord, we are thankful that we can gather together in this local place and, and we can live in peace with each other in this local congregation, but we're also part of something much bigger, much 
more universal uh, that, that, that goes through time and place, that we are part of a, of a, of a, a dwelling, a building that, God, you are building um, for you to inhabit. And, Lord, we are, we are a part of that, us here in little old Palmyra, Pennsylvania, but yet part of this magnificent building that you're constructing. constructing. So, Lord, help us both to focus on what we can do in this local place to build your church, but help us also to remember that we are part of um, a bigger church. We, are, we, we share the same spirit with our brothers and sisters around the world and since the church was founded. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Jake awoke that morning and rolled over to kiss his wife. What a shock it was when he saw her in the morning light. This woman lying next to him, the one he had married yesterday, the one he had slept with last night, was not the woman he'd been engaged to for eight years. He had been tricked. This woman wasn't a stranger, but it wasn't his fiance either. His bride was not whom he had expected. Instead of his love, Rachel, Jacob was married to her ugly sister, Leah. I'm reminded of this Bible story from Genesis 29 when I think of the bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. She is not the one we would expect. We would assume that the Lord's bride would have been Jewish. Instead, it's primarily not Jewish. In our text this morning, verses 11 through 22, has a very similar structure to verses 1 through 10. Both passages fall into three divisions. In both, the first division focuses on what we were in the past. Last week we saw we were dead in our trespasses and sins. This week we see that we were separate from the promises of God. The second division focuses on what Christ has accomplished. Last week, we are made alive in Christ. This week, we are reconciled through Christ. The third focuses on the goal or the result of this um, action, of this work. Last week, our title was The Two Biggest Words in the Bible, But God. I thought about calling this sermon the sequel, but now. Look at verse 13. But now. Both passages hinge on but something. But God. But now. The people to whom Paul was writing were like us. This 
Ephesians congregation was not a Jewish congregation. These people were former pagans, if you will. They were Gentiles. You could call them heathen. You can see this distinction clearly drawn. Look at verse 11. Therefore, remember that, that, uh, that formerly you um, were Gentiles in the flesh. Gentiles in the flesh. Now, he put it that way because technically they're still Gentiles, but they're no longer in the flesh. They are in the spirit. We technically are still Gentiles, but we are now not in the flesh. We're new creations in Christ. We have been made alive. Remember verse 5? But when we were raised, when, but when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Being Gentiles in the flesh was opposed. Um, this, uh, this is opposed to those who were of the commonwealth of Israel. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. That's what they, that's what they were as Gentiles. That's what we were. Now, he deals with circumcision. Verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you Gentiles in the flesh were called the... And you'll notice that your translation probably puts that in, in, in the uh, quote marks. Um, I think uh, in modern media we call those scare uh, quotes. Okay. You were called uncircumcision by the so-called, again notice, circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Now, as you know, Jewish custom was that males had to be circumcised to be included in the covenant. Gentiles were not included because they were not uncircumcised. But by Paul's use here, you can tell that, that they had made this into a pejorative. Okay? Uh, they were called, the Gentiles were called the, the uncircumcised. Uh, in other words, it's kind of like, those people. Those people were unclean. Those people were uncircumcised. There was a lot of hostility in that statement. They were also far off, verse 13. But now, Christ Jesus, you who, were, you who formerly were far off. That's, that was us. You'll notice the Jews were near, verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. We're the far off in that verse. The Jews are the ones that are near. Okay, so what? Well, let me, let me break it down. Let me break it down. First of all, what not being Jewish used to mean. What not being Jewish. In the, in the, in the Old Testament, in the uh, early, uh, in the Gospels, um, 
what not being Jewish used to mean. Uh, verse 11. Therefore, remember. Okay, now, therefore, what do you got to do? You got to say what it's there for, right? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember what a, what a miracle this is, basically what he's saying. Wherefore, remember, you, now you're God's workmanship. But formerly, you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were considered uncircumcised. You were, you were in the flesh. Because you weren't Jewish, because we aren't Jewish, and in that day, when, if you were not Jewish, it meant several things. First of all, verse 12, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. You were without Christ. Now, that's a strange statement because we think that that's a contradiction. It, it's the Jewish nation that's without Christ, right? They reject Christ. We're the ones that accept Christ. How were we without, how were, how were the, the Gentiles at that time without Christ and the Jews were with Christ? What does that mean? Well, the word, the word Christ, as you know, means Messiah. Means Messiah. The Jews had the Messiah. We did not. The Jews had the Christ. They had the promise, as we'll see. The hope of a Messiah. Gentiles did not. There was no Gentile Messiah. So we were without, we were without Christ. Um, Jesus was the, the one who was sent to the Jews. We should not forget that. Remember, he was the son of David. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the one God had promised Abraham would come from his descendants. We looked at that in Sunday school this morning. That one of Abraham's descendants would bless the world. Jesus was Jewish. Gentiles did not even have the expectation of a savior. Secondly, you were without citizenship. Again, verse 12. Remember this, he says, that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, remember, the Jews are God's chosen people. The Jews are God's chosen people. The land of Israel is holy. The temple belonged to the Jews. Where was the presence of God on earth? It was in the temple. It was in the Holy of Holies, in the Jewish temple. We were not a part of that. We were without citizenship in the commonwealth of Israel. Remember, Jesus told the woman at the well, salvation is from the Jews. We had no part in that. We had no Messiah. We had no membership in Israel. Fairly, you were without promise. Again, look at verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of hope. 
You were without promise. You had no promise of a Messiah. You had no promise of salvation. You had no reason to expect a deliverer. You had no reason to expect that the Messiah would come on your behalf. The, 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 the covenants of the promise were the, or the uh, as we'll see later, the, the, the oracles of God um, were given to the Jews. The promises of God were given to Abraham and his descendants. We are not the physical descendants of Abraham. Now, we are spiritual descendants, but we are not the physical descendants. The promises were given to God, uh, from God to Abraham and his descendants. The oracles of God, the scriptures, were given to the Jewish uh, people through the Jewish prophets. The, the, the writers of scripture, the writers of the Old Testament, as he's referring to here, of course, were Jewish. They were the Jewish prophets written to Jewish people. They didn't apply to us. We were without the promise of this coming Savior, of the seed of the woman, of this Messiah, this lion from the tribe of Judah. It didn't apply to us. We, we were without promise. We were without citizenship. We were without Christ. Verse 12 again. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope. Again, what does verse 13 say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were afar off. We were far from God. We were far without Christ, without hope, without promise, without citizenship. We were far from God. And godlessness equals hopelessness. You were without hope. Apart from Christ, the deeper a person thinks, apart from God, um, a deeper a person thinks, the more pessimistic she becomes or he becomes. There's no hope. If there's, if, 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 if there's no God to intervene, if there's no God who is active, if there's no God who hears me, if there's no God who's made me promises, then it, there's no hope. So he sums it up this way in verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God. You were without God. What could be worse than that? But now. <laughs> verse 13. But now. Again, all those things that we saw there were formal, formerly in the past. That's what it was. This is what it is. But now. But now. Just like we saw last week, but God. When God had made us alive, but now it's changed all that. The blood of Christ has changed all that. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who... Formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood 
of Christ or the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ on the cross. The Jewish Messiah died for our sins too. Now it used to be uh, a Gentile would have to become a proselyte. A proselyte. He, he would have to convert to Judaism. We do not have to become Jewish. Instead, we come to the cross. We come to Christ. What did the death of Christ on the cross do? Well, he made peace between people groups. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one. Now, both groups, what is it? That's these Gentiles and Jews. That's who he's addressing there. Okay, we were Gentiles. They were Jewish. Now we can be made one in Christ. Okay, uh, in Christ. Um, verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. He broke down the wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity. That word enmity, we don't use it a lot. It's a lot used a lot in the scriptures. You can see where the word enemy comes from, enmity. It means hostility. There was his hostility in the past between Jews and Gentiles. Jews and non-Jews. And, of course, there's still many people who are still hostile um, to, to Jewish people for no reason, except sinful reasons. But in Christ, this this barrier, this dividing wall, was broken down by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the, uh, the, the law of commandments containing in ordinances, so that in he himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Again, the two in, in focus here is Jew and Gentile. People groups. Now verse 14 um, I think alludes to the Jewish temple. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Now in, in, in Jesus' day, uh, it was Herod's temple. Um, so this is a picture of, of the Jewish temple or as it's called, Herod's temple. The temple consisted of a series of courts. Of courts, I mean, out, you know, uh, like a tennis court, an outside area. Okay, a series of courts. Each one a little higher than the one that went before. Okay, so on ground level, you had what was called uh, the, the court of the Gentiles. So even a Gentile could, could enter the court of the Gentiles. Um, they were allowed in. Um, if they uh, wanted to be close to the Jewish God, uh, they could go into the court of the, of the Gentiles. It was on ground level. The next court was, was higher up. It was on a different level, and it was the court of women. Now, as you know, the Jewish side of, of the covenant was circumcision, so it was a patriarchy. It was... It was Males, women were in it by virtue of their family. Um, but there was a court for women. Uh, it was not for Gentiles, it was for Jewish women. 
The next level was the court of the Israelites, or males, male Israelites. So you had the, the, the ground floor, which was the court of the Gentiles. You had to go up some stairs to the court of women. You went up more stairs to the court of the Israeli males. <coughs> then you went up higher to the court of the priests, and then finally to the holy place itself. So only into the first of these courts could a Gentile come. And between it and the other courts was a wall. So I want you to understand what he's getting at here uh, in verse 14. He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. So from the court of the Gentiles, which was on ground level, to get to the next level, you had to get past the wall. Now, there, of course, was entrances in, but a Gentile could not pass um, into any further. And, and historians tell us that on that wall, posted at various intervals, was a warning that said, if you're, if you're, not, if you're a Gentile, to go any further was death. That it would lead to instant death. That you would be um, the Jewish uh, uh, guard, the uh, temple guards would... Um, execute you for violating, for being a Gentile coming into uh, the Jewish part of the temple. Um, that's the wall that is being referred to here. To proceed any further was, was to be liable for instant death. But Christ abolished all those ceremonial laws, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh this enmity. Okay, uh, These law of commandments contained in ordinances so that he himself might make into not make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Christ abolished these, these ceremonial laws that separated Jew and Gentile and created one new man, and we would call that Christian. The Christian. But he also made peace between us and God. Again, through the blood of Christ, verse 16, he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, having put to death the enmity. So here the enmity is that enmity that existed between, between uh, the lost and God. There's hostility there. As sinners, we don't like to hear the law of God. We don't want to Obey the law of God. And God also will show his wrath, as we saw uh, a couple weeks ago, the children of wrath will show wrath to those that are um, not at peace with God. But Jesus came to make peace. <laughs> That's the whole point. Jesus came to make peace between us and God. On the cross, the Prince of Peace defeated Satan which we saw earlier, who is the prince of the power of the air. The prince of peace beated, defeated the prince of the power of the air. So it's not just peace between people groups, but peace with God. Peace with God. Reconciliation. Look at um, verse 16. That he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, 
by having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Again, Gentile and Jew. Okay. He's made them into one. And that was verse 18. For through him, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. Here's the Trinity, as you can see, through Christ and the Spirit to the Father. Okay, it's Trinitarian. Um, so he made peace with, between us and God. But what he's saying here is he also made peace with uh, each other. He made peace between each other. We, we all... To be in Christ means all of us share in the same spirit. We have the spirit of Christ. So as he, as he draws us through the spirit closer to the God, we are getting closer to each other. Christians, all Christians, have the same Holy Spirit, regardless of skin color, language, nationality. It doesn't matter. There's only one new man. There's no divisions there. There should not be any divisions there. Now, of course, there was another part of the temple that brought death to anybody who entered, and that was the Holy of Holies. But as we know, on the cross, that veil was torn in two. There's, Jesus has made peace. Verse 14. He himself is our peace. He made peace. Verse 15, last part, thus establishing peace. He preached peace. Verse 17, he came and preached peace. <laughs> he is our peace. He made peace. He preached peace. So the question is, have you experienced peace with God? Well, you can through Christ and peace with each other. Thirdly, the results of this reconciliation. What is the result of this reconciliation? Verse 19, so then, okay, this is the summary. This is the conclusion. So then, you are no longer strangers um, and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God, in the spirit. He says, so what? So, so then, what does this mean? We are fellow citizens. All saints, as we saw at the beginning of Ephesians 1, we are all saints. If you are in Christ, you're a saint. All of us are on the same level, regardless of ethnicity, sex, social standing, culture. There's no, there are no second-class believers. There are no second-class believers. We're all in Christ. We all have the same spirit. We all have the same access to God. We're all part of the same building that's being built. We are fellow citizens, one with another, regardless of geography or culture or any of those things that divide humanity. We are one family. Verse 19, we are of God's household. Now, to be a member of a family, you either have to be born into it or adopted into it. And the Bible says we were both. We are one temple. 
Now, I think I like to say a play on words here. He tore down one structure and is building up another. Right? He tore down the dividing wall, but now, verse 20, he's building another building that is built on Christ and the apostles being fitted together in which we, verse 22, are a part of one temple for God to dwell. So what does this have to say about racial prejudice? Well, certainly there is no excuse for anti-Semitism among believers. None. Christians in particular should have a love for the Jews. We are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I'll go further than that. I think the concept of race is a human construct. The concept of race is a human construct. The Bible teaches there's only one race. It's the human race. It's Adam's race. Acts 17, 26. But he made from one man every nation of mankind, from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Yes, we see, we see the idea of nations there, of tribes, of different cultures, different geography. But we're all made from one man. The King James translated from one blood. We're all from the same blood. We're all from the same man. We're all descendants of Adam. Uh, there, th this idea of race is a human construct. The Bible says there's only one race, the human race. Now, it acknowledges that there are nations and tribes and people and languages, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God from your blood. Notice, men from every tribe, every tongue, and people, and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language. That word nations there, by the way, is the word ethnos, which we get our word ethnic. All ethnic groups, all skin tones, all languages. Ethnos is where we get our word Gentile. All. Seven, nine. After these things I looked, and behold, a great number, which no man could count from every tribe, and all tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the, the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. Again, one people out of multitude of nations and tribes and peoples and languages and skin tones and cultures. So what are we commanded to do? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of what? All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The nations, again, ethnos, um, Gentiles, regardless of where they live or what language they speak or what their customs are or their differences. People of different customs and languages, 
That's who we're to reach. Christ has made peace. Turn to James chapter 3. Hebrews, James 3. I'll show you this verse first, and then we're going to look at James 2 for a minute. But let me just, uh, James 3, 7. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed, now here's the point, by the human race. <laughs> Again, the only race that's recognized in Scripture is the human race. So go back to chapter two, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our, glorious Lord Jesus, in, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism or prejudice. Okay? Verse 4. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Verse 8. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the Scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. How much clearer can it be? Christians are not to be prejudiced. We're not to prejudge people based upon skin color or their language or their cultures. Galatians 3.26 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Now again, we're not his physical descendants. We are his spiritual descendants because the promise has been applied to us. But notice, there's still distinctions about people. We recognize that. We believe that there's two genders, male and female. The Bible's pretty clear on that. Okay? Uh, we, we understand that there are still people who are Jewish and people who are not Jewish. Uh, we understand that there is still injustice in the world. We understand all that. But in Christ, in Christ, we are all one. We are all one. The gospel of Jesus breaks down racial barriers. The Bible teaches that there's only one race, the human race. Let's pray. Now, Father, obviously the primary focus of this passage is about the wonderful truth that we used to be estranged from you and have now been made uh, uh, into your family. We've been adopted into your family. We've been born again into your family. We used to have no claim on you, but now we can approach the Holy of Holies we, can, we don't have to go to the Jewish temple. We are a temple. Christ tore down 
that temple, basically through his death, but we're building a new temple. And we all, all believers, all nationalities, um, all tribes, all tongues, all peoples, we all have the same Holy Spirit through this blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. And believing in gives us new life. Moves us from being dead to being alive. So Lord, show us where we fail. And may we repent when we, as, as James said, um, have evil motives, I pray. Amen.